Hi everyone and welcome to Harbor Speaks. Today we're going to talk about one of the most outstanding programs in our community, the YWCA Harbor Area and South Bay. Located in San Pedro, they provide services that empower women and families in the community. I'm Mike Herrera. For 40 years, I've worked in the nonprofit field. During this time, I've noticed there are hundreds of nonprofits, organizations, individuals providing programs and activities that are making a positive difference in the community. My mission is twofold to inform the community of these programs and to recruit help and support for these organizations. In a minute, we'll be talking with several individuals that work with the YWCA and how they are making a positive difference for thousands in their community. We'll be right back. Welcome back everyone. We are here with Sonia Bailey, the Executive Director of the YWCA, and Patrick Erlinson is the Creative Director for a program called See It and End It. Sonia, can you tell me about the YWCA? Hi Mike, thank you for the opportunity today to talk about our YWCA in San Pedro on 9th Street. We've been there since 1918, so we're over 100 years old, and we're very proud of that fact. We've been bringing programs to the community for all that time. Uh, we do do mammograms, we do childcare, uh, we do a lot of uh, family assistance, holiday programs, and all kinds of different things. But especially just new is the See It, End It Film and Arts Festival that we did for the first time this March. And it was a big risk, and no one's ever done it before, but we're very proud to have made a very successful film and arts festival on the prevention and awareness of human trafficking, a subject that's really dear to our hearts and one of our main programs for advocacy that we've been doing for several years now. Wow, that's awesome. So that means you've been in existence for over 100 years then. Exactly. And wow. just so you know, our building on 9th Street was built by the first woman architect in California, Julia Morgan. She also designed and built Hearst Castle. And this was all done before women were given the right to vote. And we're very proud that we are pretty much the only remaining YW that keeps that building as its function as a YW. Thank you very much. You know, I can tell you, I, I was a product of the YWCA. It was times during Christmas I wouldn't have gotten toys if, if it were for the YWCA. But. And that same program still continues. Yeah, we have Breakfast awesome? with Santa, yes. Every first Saturday in December, we do Breakfast with Santa and still ha give kids a toy and a book and a little visit with Santa and breakfast, of course. Oh, wait, wait a minute, I didn't get a book. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a new development. As part of our literacy advancement, we believe every child should get a book with a toy. Oh, well, that's good. I, I got I got uh, clothes and I got toys, which, you know, for me and my six brothers, it was really important that we got something. But yeah. I'm really happy about that. Okay, let me talk to you, Patrick. Tell me, what is your part with this program? Um, well, I've been working with kind of prevention of human trafficking for about eight years. 
and in getting to know survivors and talking with different families and working with different agencies and organizations that, that fight human trafficking, my conclusion was we really need to get the word out to people who are not necessarily going to attend a conference or you know, come to something too formal. <coughs> so I first envisioned the idea of having a, a film festival and then we expanded that to include the arts because we wanted, we basically want everyone to feel that they have a part to play in fighting human trafficking. So that whether you're a soccer mom or a coach, whether you're you know, a, a high school student or an artist, if you're a singer, everybody's got a part that they can play to raising awareness so that we can begin to end this exploitation of kids. Let's, let's talk about this awareness. How big is it in this area? In nation, nationwide, it's about 100 to 300,000 American kids end up getting trafficked on a, on a yearly basis. And it happens a variety of ways. The old image of, of you know, girls meeting a pimp on the corner has been replaced by the internet. And we now have, you have predators and you have human traffickers that have access to any, any child they want through the internet, through their smartphones. So you have people that are actively recruiting children to get into a prostituted life in the sex industry by human traffickers. I mean, coming straight into your home through the internet. And so now the recruiting of children has taken a whole new meaning because they're, they're no longer just preying on poor kids in, in, a, in an underprivileged community, but now they have access to, to everyone and anyone. Wow, so but what age? ages are we talking about? The average age for boys is like 11 to 13 who get trafficked, which is increasing the number of boys that are now being being brought into into this life. Um, but girls is 12 to 14. So we're talking young girls. And I, I think unfortunately, the thing that I found is that America is just producing tremendously vulnerable children because of what's happening within the home and the family. You wow. have a lot of divorces, you have mothers bringing in boyfriends who don't have any heart for these children. You have children growing up with a tremendous lack of, of parental love and involvement in their lives. So somebody comes along and tells them they're pretty and promises in the moon and they tend to go. Wow, that's pretty scary. It's extremely scary. Uh, so in our local area, in the, the San Pedro, LA Harbor area, what, what, how extensive is it here? Don't have numbers, but it is extensive. I've spoken at San Pedro High to two different clubs that they started there. And every time I speak, there are kids who respond. Either they know someone who's been trafficked or is being trafficked, or they themselves have been approached. Uh, my daughter was approached in the Delamo shopping mall. Um, you, have, you have recruiters that are in, in any place where kids are congregating, especially online, but they're also going to shopping malls. They're going to places where kids congregate. They look for a kid who looks vulnerable, you know, wow. a kid who doesn't look secure, and then they, they'll start a conversation. And the problem, the problem is that they, they groom the, they'll groom the child for months. They'll win their trust and, and convince them that I'm the guy who really loves you, not your parents, not your anyone else. I'm the guy who loves you. So then when I ask you to go sleep with my friend, it's kind of a natural thing because, wow. because they feel it's a relationship. Wow, geez, uh, you know, you don't want to think about that. You know, I wonder, so, Sonia, I understand that you have several <coughs> programs at the YWCA. How are these helping with the prevention? Well, we have a um, racial justice committee, and this is an umbrella. This is how it started. We started panel discussions years ago, and this is how we met Patrick as our moderator. And 
the relationship blossom from that. We would bring in experts to um, share with the community what the updates were. And it was so shocking, the statistics, that we thought it was important that we bring prevention and awareness to a greater community, just keep going. And Patrick brought this idea to us. And as the nonprofit partner, we are very happy to take on that project and now develop it into a more permanent program. So most of the programs you have are, are more in a preventive. Oh yes, we're very much pre uh, preventive. Yes. Yeah. So Patrick, are there are there programs that are that you actually work with that are intervention? There, there are you know, organizations that do more intervention and and also aftercare. One of the biggest problems is once you once you are able to get someone out of the what they call the life, which is closer to the death, but. Um, once you once you get a girl out or get a get a person out of the life, then what to do with them and and what kind of services are there? They, the, the the estimates are and and the analysis is that girls who survive being trafficked have higher PTSD rates than even Iraq war vets. Um, the the survival mode that they've had to be in kind of a hyper survival mode for for sometimes seven eight years um, is extremely damaging psychologically. So, so they need a lot of care afterwards. There's, there's different organizations, prevention services. Um, there's here, there's Journey Out, um, Saving Innocence. There are organizations here that they work with either under 18 population or over 18. I just interviewed a person with from the uh, community's child. They help families, mostly women, whose are neglected or whatever that have children. So they've been able to house them, and they've really, really thinking that they were just gonna originally help help by getting my home and stuff you have to go through all this psychological stuff now it's really yeah, it's it's right. tough now they figured out that it takes almost two years to actually get somebody back on their feet and that's that's the program they have yeah. but you know I, I i just look at these things and man it sure is scary to me i mean everybody has children and yeah you know. that's right and that's why i think the, the ywc and and myself i mean our, our focus is on prevention because because of that, the restoration process is extremely difficult. Um, so if we can prevent any more children from, from getting into the life to begin with, that's where we really start to win it. So that's where we're getting back with the main focus of this Film and Arts Festival, right? And yes. Um, what is it titled now? See It, End It Film and Arts Festival. Well, so, how did you come up with that title? Well, we had very <laughs> various variations. Um, see it to end it, see it and then end it, but they're all too long, right? <laughs> so see it, end it. And yeah. our website is actually seeitendit.com. In showing people the, this film festival, what kind of films are they? We actually have a variety. Um, last year we featured, what, 12 or 18 12. films? It was, Three actually, it was actually this year. This year, it feels like last year. This year, in March. We had three feature films and a variety About of... 16 total. Yeah. Between the short films, we had a couple of documentaries, we had short narrative films um, that were um, 10 minutes, 15 minutes long. That, that highlighted different aspects of the of the struggle, like why girls don't run away, or the the recruitment of children into webcam sex business, which is also a, a terrifying and horrible thing. Um, so we had we had short films, we had films that were made by students, like high school students. Um, so we what we really want this film festival to be is a place where someone with talent can highlight an issue that's very important um, through their talent. So. So it has many dimensions, and we had a variety of films. 
even family oriented films as well. And after each session, we would have a panel discussion of the films that just happened. And those were so informative. And that's where really the education comes, is that we brought in experts, um, FBI uh, expert, authors, survivors. directors, survivors, and they discussed the issues. And uh, we were very happy to introduce this subject to over 400 people, I think, or 800 altogether. But over half of them had never had any exposure to human trafficking awareness or prevention so this is a way to reach out to new audience to tell them about the issues and what to look for okay we are back now and we have with us Yolanda Ora Yolanda I know your main focus is on the human trafficking program so tell me how did you get started in this well good morning and thank you for having us here we really appreciate this. Um, well, I retired from working in the telecommunication business for 44 years, uh, three years ago. And unfortunately, two and a half years ago, my husband passed away. So I had this void and the idea of getting involved somehow with human trafficking kept poking at me. I didn't know what that looked like for me because it's such a horrible topic, a dark topic. And just thinking about it makes me want to cry. I have a very large extensive family with boys and girls and the idea of any of them being harmed that way just kills me just to think about it. Well one day in my church bulletin, I go to Holy Trinity Catholic Church in San Pedro, there was an announcement that the Faith, uh, the Life uh, Peace and Justice Ministry was hosting a meeting uh, with some guest speakers regarding human trafficking. So I decided to attend that. And that's where I met Patrick and a couple other people. And I didn't know what to expect. And he started talking about this film festival. And I thought, I like movies. <laughs> and he had me hooked there. And that's, that's when I thought, this is where I can get involved. Of course, it's not the kind of movies I want to see. Because they can be very uh, um, disturbing to watch. But unfortunately, it's based on truth. So last year, about April time frame, I asked him, well, how can I help? And he said, well, we're having this meeting. Why don't you attend? And I've been going ever since. And there was a large audience of people. There were a couple nuns, a priest, people from different organizations. And they all went around the room to introduce themselves. And I happened to be sitting next to Patrick, so I was the last one. And I was so intimidated by all the credentials of the people in the room. I'm thinking, what can I bring to this? So when it was my turn, I just looked at Patrick and I said, I could take your notes. And <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm doing more than notes. I'm doing a lot of administrative stuff, behind the scene kind of things, which is my forte. I, I, I like that. And I feel I bring value to that. And um, so I've had the privilege of working not only with Patrick and Sonia, but the other people of our community, uh, our committee. And I felt that what we produced this past March was really spectacular. The key of success for us was hearing people coming out of seeing a program and saying, I didn't know. I didn't know that was going on here. How can this be? And I've had people afterwards come up to me and say, you know, I noticed this was really strange the other day. So I took that person's um, 
license plate and I called it in. It's better to call something in by mistake than not. But that really helped because when we were growing up, the 50s and the 60s, it was nothing to see a parent disciplining their child in public. A smack, a spank in the bottom, no one thought nothing of it. But today, if that happens, people are taking out their camera phones, people are calling the police, heck, the kids are calling their parents in, right? So we really need to change society to think something like that regarding human trafficking. But you have to know what to look for first so that you can react to that. Well, actually, you're really passionate acceptable. about this. This is really something that... Has... I've had some good teachers. Yeah. <laughs> so, Patrick, have you actually worked directly with kids that have been trafficked? I don't work directly with them, but I've met many. And so I, I know a lot of survivors, and through conversations with them, that's how I've learned, like, the things that happened to them. Um, and then that's also what kind of fuels my passion. Um, I chose not to go into that side um, of, like, working with survivors directly because I really wanted to really focus on prevention. Yeah. So I, I know survivors, I work with them, talk to them, but I don't work in the field of, you know, aftercare for survivors or prevention. I mean, of uh, rescue. Yeah, no, in prevention, it's 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 pretty hard to get statistics. I know you can talk about how many people you've actually talked to, but you don't really know, you know. You don't know when you've saved somebody's life. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's better to prevent it. It's a lot easier to, to uh, stop it before it starts than it is to actually get somebody that is a survivor to actually get them back into the mainstream of, of life, really. Tell about the L.A. Harbor, I mean the hub, the L.A. hub. Which is, uh, yeah, out of all the cities in America, Los Angeles is like the fourth, like most active hub for human trafficking. Both, you know, people who are being trafficked into the United States that are being brought here to then be exploited either in labor trafficking where they're working and not getting paid um, or for the sex industry. And then because we have a very active gang community, a lot of the gangs now have human trafficking branches or departments because it's so lucrative. You sell a human being over and over and over every day, 365 days a year. Um, drugs and guns, you got one shot to make your money. So, so it's, it's now increased within the gang community. Um, one, one horrifying story, I think for me, was there was an 11-year-old girl, an autistic child that was being sold by gang members here in LA. Um, and, and I come at it from the perspective of a man. And like there are men who are paying to be with an 11-year-old autistic child. And so how do, we, how do we get into the minds of men to change, to, to change that side, the demand side? Because this is just a product that's being provided because there's a demand for it. And if we can stop men thinking that they're entitled to a child's body, we can start to see this really decrease. And I think that's kind of a twofold thing from education to raising awareness among men that this is what you're actually doing, that, you're, that this is not a victimless experience or crime. Uh, but also through through punitive measures. So we need laws that actually punish the people who are paying for sex with an 11 year old, um, and that those laws need to be brought into a, put into effect. But do we um, actually have those, or it's it's extremely weak, and this has been the problem. The traffickers and the customers are not the ones who who get the record. They get a fine, like a traffic ticket. Um, the girl who gets picked up gets a record as a prostitute. Um, so she's the one who's got a record that makes it later more difficult for her to get a job. So a lot of programs are now being initiated. There's a, there's a trial program here in LA. Um, I think it's in several cities now, but where they 
if if a person is picked up for prostitution, we'll we'll go into a, a like a nine month program of training and rehabilitation and make them aware of what they're doing and, and how they can get out and connect to resources. Then it will come off their record. So it's it's a challenge. And like now in California, they passed they passed a law so that anyone under eighteen will not have uh, prostitution on their record. So attempts are being made. But we really need to improve the on the side of punishment of the people who are actually driving this this criminal activity, and that's the people who are paying for it. Oh. Is there legislation being made to stop this? Yeah, there there are different laws that are now in place. And there was a, a a bill passed in California that required certain businesses to put up posters with a hotline number. Um, so that's really increased the number of, of calls. So. If it's, if it's in a place of business or if it's in a restroom and a, and a person who's being trafficked can see it and then call the number, then that kind of adds to the data on how many people are being exploited and also how many people can be brought out or are being brought out. Um, so that that's a, has some effect, that law. The problem is when you, you have politicians who want to be known for having done something against human trafficking. So they'll pass a law, but then no one's, re no one's responsible for implementing it, and there's no one's responsible for enforcing it. And so then it's, it's a law with no teeth. And that's what happened with this bill about the posters. And then it was several organizations. It had already been on the, on the books for two years, and nobody was doing anything with it. So they decided to, to raise the money, print the posters, and then train people to go out and put them up in businesses. And then they would, they would talk to, to the local district attorneys, city attorneys, and make sure that they were on board to actually enforce the law. Who exactly is they? It was, it was CAST, CAST LA, which is the Coalition Against um, Slavery and Trafficking, um, Slavery and Trafficking, yeah. um, and then also the, the Jewish Women's Association. So then they kind of partnered together to raise the funds and, and make sure that this law got followed. And what were these signs saying? Well, the, the, the law said they had to be printed in three languages. So they need to be English, Spanish, and then one other one that's dominant in the area. So it could be Chinese or Khmer or whatever. Um, and then it has the hotline number on it. And it's basically saying, you know, if you're, if you're um, being exploited, if you're in this kind of situation, please call this number. So tell me, is this your regular job? I mean, do you, do you have another job besides this? Um, I teach English as a second language. Okay. So that's my profession. So this, what you're doing here is voluntary? It's all passion, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. So which, which one do you enjoy more? Oh God, I love them both. Um, uh. I, I really love teaching. I mean, that's really my, my heart and soul is as a teacher. And I love opening people's minds and giving them the tools to be able to, to explore ideas through English. But really, I mean, this is always in my mind, is how do we, how do we prevent human trafficking? How do we stop more and more children from ending up in gutters and in in psych wards, drug addicted, uh, because as a result of this, this type of thing. And as a man, it's like this is my, you know, we, we need a lot more men to take this seriously. We have we have this male culture that, that constantly reinforces a sense of entitlement that we somehow are entitled to things that someone's not willing to give us. Male dominated culture in the United States it's even worse in other countries, and you know, some of them expect it. That's very true. Know. Yeah. Some grow up and think that's the norm. You know, that's it's, right. it's just. You know, it's just scary to see that happening, you know. Okay, we're going to take another short break here right now, and when we come back, we'll be bring back Sonia, and we'll be talking with her again.
Okay, welcome back, everybody. We are back with Sonia Bailey, the executive director, and Patrick Erlinson. And we are going to talk about the Film and Arts Festival. Can you, so, Sonia, I'd really like to ask you, what what is a great, what do you feel is one of your biggest successes since this program has started? For the See It End It Film and Arts Festival, well, we did the first one in March this year, and that in itself was a huge success, and we're so proud to have brought that to San Pedro, where um, it's never been done before, and that in itself was hugely successful because there were so many people that attended that had never had any awareness or any um, any kind of uh, contact with human trafficking awareness, so we were happy to bring this format to them. Patrick, I know you've done this in other places, but uh, the, the film festival and other, other areas, it, it, what made you want to bring it into San Pedro? Well, actually we haven't. This is actually the first um, film and art festival devoted entirely to human trafficking. So it, it hasn't, has never been done before. Oh, really? How did you come up with the idea? That, how, how did Patrick's you idea. It was Patrick's desperation, idea. <laughs> desperation to do something more. We've been asked to do it people. in Florida and, and Tennessee already. <laughs> so, we're, so we're blaming it on Patrick, is that it? Yes, <laughs> we're very grateful to his creative mind. That's great. So and Being from San Pedro, I was kind of, Los Angeles has so many film, film festivals, art festivals, things, but San Pedro, well, I really wanted to do it you know, in San Pedro because we have the Warner Grand Theater, which is just such a beautiful venue. And, and there's so much support within the community. There's, there's, as people learn about human trafficking, they really want to do something. And so that's why we wanted to do it in San Pedro. So it's more of a local community, but with reach to the whole, I mean, LA County, we have people coming from San Bernardino, from Orange County, San Diego, people came to the film festival in San Pedro. So wow. we're very proud of that. That's amazing. How, how did you get the, the word out to everybody? How did Oh, with much difficulty. <laughs> a lot of word of mouth. Uh, we did have our website, of course, and but we really tried hard to uh, get the word out by um, PSAs and uh, very small advertising. But surprisingly enough, we did get some word out and got a really good response, even for the first time. The second time, we're going to do it in April 3rd and 4th. 2020 at the Warner Grand and we also have a side by program at the Annex on Saturday morning for families and young children to start on an animation basis to start learning about cyber safety and from a young age their kids are all using cell phones so it's going to be an emphasis on uh, safety for our very small children and it's a specific children's program for families to take their children to start learning about what they should be aware of and parents should be aware of and have an interactive program for the children and parents. It was really fun. We had Officer McGruff came and we had a couple of police officers that are really LAPD good was yeah. there. Very, very good. Yeah, there's another program here in Los Angeles called um, Kids, Kids in the Spotlight, which is they work with foster youth and they have foster youth create their own films. They write their own scripts and then they get professional directors and studios to actually do the filming. And so th then the, one of the directors of Kids in the Spotlight helped with that youth program. Right. So really interactive with kids, a really fun, fun way for them to learn how to be safe, <coughs> safe online. So we also showed a movie made by Boys and Girls Club kids, yeah. yes. Wow. Yep. That's amazing. That, that, you know, there's some, there's some 
really good things that you guys are not just attacking, just educating the community. You're also educating the children, educating right. the parents. Parents. Um, and not just about one way of human trafficking, but also about human trafficking through your cell phone and yes. human trafficking through Labor your... Labor trafficking, sex trafficking, 12-year-olds being approached. This is our this is our mantra. We just don't want that to happen to our young children, so we need to prevent it. And then in November, Patrick will be doing a FatherCon conference to tackle the demand side, to have a father conference building men's esteem so that they don't do this. So Patrick, how'd you come up with this idea? I assume that was your idea, right? Same thing. It was like in talking to survivors and, and talking with different organizations, but mostly from survivors. It's like they either, most of them, um, 98% probably um, came from homes where they either didn't have a father, their father was abusive, or there was a stepfather or a mother's boyfriend that abused them, causing them to run away from home, which is how they got trafficked. Um, so to me, the, the thing that kept recurring was this idea of a father. And if a father is engaged, present, um, loving his children, those children tend not to get trafficked. They have a trust relationship with their dad. Um, and, and also that, that part of a girl that grows up, that her first experience with healthy male love comes from the dad. And if that's missing, then she's much more vulnerable to the promises of some guy who just appears later in life. And with a lot of the traffickers, it's no accident that they have the girls call him daddy. He, he's replacing the father figure in their life as the authority, as the person who tells them what to do, and then reaps the benefit. He's the one who, he's the one who makes the money. He has them out there doing the, doing the work and suffering the consequences. Um, so my idea with FatherCon was we start to reach out to fathers and, and start to really re-inspire them to want to be the heroes of their kids' lives. It's what every father wants to be. I mean, we all want to be this kind of heroic person who protects our kids and guides our kids and inspires them to be all they can be in life. Um, but we all, we've gotten knocked off. And I think from my experience in, in working with men, we have a massive problems of, of looking at pornography. And so we have, we have men who have lost their, their moral authority to guide their children because they're dealing with, with problems. And it's, I mean, we're living in such complicated times. The, the internet age is extremely difficult. And I think an awful lot of fathers have been kind of you know, edged out. They, they haven't felt that their role was as significant as the mother's, so they kind of ease themselves out of the kind of a, you know, front line of working with their kids. And, and that's, now we have, we have you know, teenage boys going out and mass shooting people, and we have a lot, of, a lot of the social problems are the results of what's happened within the home especially with disengaged dads. And we might be just tipping the tip of the iceberg here, but we're attempting to uh, attack this issue on both sides. It, and it seems like you're doing a pretty good job about it, making sure that everybody is aware, at least aware, and knows of some ways that they can prevent this. And, um, you know... Everybody's it's, got a part to play. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the theme. It's yeah. really great. It's really great that you too can actually uh, bring this out, awareness out into the community. I really think you guys are a couple of angels, you know, for We're doing trying. something like this. It's <laughs> awesome. It takes a it takes a village, Mike. Yeah, it does. It always does. I've heard that so many times. It yes. does take a village. And it's it it's, takes, it's not just us. We have a huge, big, a very dedicated community, 
and committee behind us. We have our organization behind us. And hopefully we're chipping away at getting the communities behind us. And we want to reach out beyond San Pedro and into Wilmington and Torrance and greater LA and, um, and get this awareness out. That's great. So if someone wanted to participate in this film festival or work with the YWCA, what would they need to do? Well, we have our website, seeitendit.com. We're in the planning stages for next year. And of course, we are always looking for funding to put the funding uh, event on. And so there's um, our website they can donate to. They can be a volunteer. They can come on our committee. Um, we have actually a text function as well. And you can donate by text by texting 44321 and text see it to end. See to end. It's S E E, the number two, two, and then E N D. So you text that to 44321, four, 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 and then you can set the amount. If you want to donate $5 or $50 or $100, whatever amount you want to see go to spreading the awareness of human trafficking through this, through this venue and through this program. It, it goes a long way to help. goes a long way. Well, you guys sound really organized, you know. <laughs> if I can add to that, too, sure. I mean, not just the donating part, but we also do need volunteers, and we need people who have certain skills that they could bring to helping to, to pull this off. Social media is a big part. We're hoping to get a celebrity connection, and also um, out to the news and general media in general about what we're doing. And if, if I can encourage people, if anyone's interested in, the, in FatherCon, who, who's like, someone who's going to become a father or they are a father now or they want to be a father figure to someone else they can they can reach out and contact me at my personal email address which is patrick p-a-t-r-i-c-k dot u-n-h-c-r at gmail.com so it's patrick dot u-n-h-c-r at gmail.com and get information about FatherCon or any of the other kind of programs that we're doing to to change this. Wow. Well, I'd like to thank you both for being here today, and I want to thank you everybody out there for listening. The Film and Arts Festival, See It Ended in 2020. The YWCA are two outstanding examples of organizations that are helping better the community. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you listen to us again on our next podcast. If you have something you think you would like to broadcast on Harbor Speaks, please contact me at harborspeakspodcast at gmail.com. That's harborspeakspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Bye.